Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your co-host, Stephen Spector, and with me as usual is Rob Hirschfeld. Hello, Rob. Hello, Stephen. It's always good to chat. Good to chat. And Rob, you sound healthy. I think the COVID illness, you're over it. I'm not even going to cough for show. Yes, I am am feeling better, but it is a serious thing. Uh, Even with a mild case, it was weeks, um, you know, a couple of days where it was, was pretty bad and a little scary, and then weeks of feeling like oh shit i've got something um so yeah take it seriously please well well, you sound better and i can state that you can't get it through electronic communications and uh, zoom blocked the virus coming to me so i'm happy (laughs) with that and uh, actually scary thing rob she's the only person i know that have had it which i find very strange and unlikely but uh, anyway, let's, let's move on to our podcast. We have another new guest, which you know is always our goal. I'm really excited. We have the CEO and founder of Plumi, Joe Duffy with us. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, glad to be here. So Joe, if you can quickly give us a quick overview of yourself and just a quick kind of introduction to Plumi, and then from there, uh, Rob and I will have some questions and go in detail. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so uh, you know, we found a Pulumi three years ago. Um, before that, I was, I was uh, you know, obsessing over developer productivity for a good, uh, I don't know, 15 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. Spent a, a bunch of time at Microsoft uh, building developer platforms. I kind of managed the languages group over there doing C Sharp, C++, um, and uh, open sourcing .NET uh, just before leaving. <clears throat> and found a Pulumi really because I saw an opportunity to really bring a new level of productivity to, um, to cloud infrastructure uh, and really bring cloud infrastructure closer to the application development process while also making infrastructure teams a lot more productive uh, and, and give them great tools. Um, mm. So that, that was kind of the, the genesis. That was, that was three years ago. And we've been hard at work since then. Uh, it's an open source you know, project uh, and the community is growing uh, really strong. Actually, the last year has been a really big one for us. So I, I want us to get to a point where we can talk about infrastructure as code a bit because one, it's near and dear to my heart, but I, I know that that's sort of a, a part of this constellation. But before, before I, I dig there, I, I want to make sure I understand something because you started with dev tools and making developers productive. Um, but when I think of what Pulumi is and sort of what you were describing, it's, it's really about operations productivity. Do you see those in alignment or, you know, how, how do you bridge that? Yeah. So, you know, early in my career, I did actually do a lot of, you know, administrative work and databases and operations. Um, and then I sort of got swept away into the world of developer tools for, you know, 15 years. I actually started my uh, sort of professional career working at EMC. And so I saw the world from, from that, that side, but then I went to Microsoft and saw, you know, develop, developer tools. And then, you know, as things like, you know, Docker, and AWS Lambda and some of these new technologies sort of started coming on the scene. I got really excited because these really just fundamentally changed the way that you can develop your software. Um, but then when I went to, to really go deep and stand up real systems using those, it was frankly a little surprising to me um, how much progress we made on the application development tools side of things and how little progress in the you know, 15 years since I had really touched a lot of it uh, in the infrastructure and ops space, <laughs> I found. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't resist. I have to do the amen and, and hallelujah on on that <laughs> statement. But 
Yeah, no, it's, I agree with you there. Okay. Yeah, and it was, you know, there's, we, we, we sort of are running on two parallel tracks. And you see this in a lot of teams, right? You've got, you know, the infrastructure teams over there and the developers are over here. And it used to be that developers would file tickets to stand up servers. Now, at least we've, we've come a little bit further than that. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of the infrastructure's code tools that have come before, like Chef, Puppet, Ansible, you know, they've all moved really in the right direction, but we're still left with this fundamental divide. And, but I, I don't necessarily consider those tools infrastructure as code tools. I think of those as configuration management because they don't really speak to me as a developer in the ways that you're describing dev tooling, right? I mean, that, that's sort of where this gap is. And, and I, I think that's what I'm trying to get my head around with this sort of to frame our, our discussion. What Plume is doing is much more code-like because I've played with it a little bit and, and you know, architecturally there's a service that runs, there's a whole bunch of infrastructure plugins that are you know, basically coded modules. Is that a super high level architecture? I'm not making you go, ah, on that. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, and I think yeah. the key difference really is, I, I think, you know, Chef and Puppet, as you say, was configuration. I think the, the, the nice thing that that did is it actually instilled, you know, some of this, this idea that you would use code to do something with mm. your infrastructure, to automate your infrastructure. So a lot of the people we, we work with are comfortable with some of the, the basic concepts. So they're ready to make that leap to something like a Pulumi. That makes sense. And and is there something for that group of users that you know you hear is the aha for Pulumi? You know, I think a lot of them are looking at moving to provisioning. Um, you know, moving away from configuration tools uh. and, and more towards provisioning. Um, it, usually, that's in <laughs> conjunction with modernizing architectures, like adopting containers, where it's more of a, an immutable infrastructure approach. And I think when they go through that transition, they, they realize, oh, you know, the best in breed today for provisioning tools is YAML or JSON or DSLs, right? And, and they're coming from a world where they actually did have real languages, right? They were using Ruby or Python, and now they're, now they're, they're having to make the leap to templated YAML or, you know, uh, DSLs that they have mm -hmm. to learn uh, where they're totally comfortable using Python. Makes sense, but that's a hard jump because a lot of the constructs in those languages don't necessarily map into operational frameworks, right? I've, I've had this conversation around like Ansible and I'm like, you could just write the Ansible playbook in Bash and it would be more programmatic. Um, but yet it is a, it, having the DSL do things is a, is a nice crutch, right? So that YAML is, is helpful or the, um, it is YAML for that. Yeah, it's kind of a nice gateway, let's say, okay. it's kind of a stepping stone. And so when you look, and they, so there's another thing about Pulumi that I think is important um, that, to understand. Unlike a, you know, a um, Ansible playbook that's really running as a client tool and initiated by a command line prompt, Pulumi has a server with state. So it is a little bit more like a chef or a puppet. Um, why, why that balance? Why, why have, have a service as part of this? The, the architecture. Yeah, so you can actually use Pulumi in, in either mode. You can use it oh, as okay. purely client side or you can use it with the service. The key thing is that if you look at, like take two examples, uh, look at Terraform and then look at AWS CloudFormation. Um, 
in the in the way that they operate, not necessarily the languages or anything like that. With with CloudFormation, you kind of don't think about it. In fact, a lot of people say, "Oh, there's no state uh, with CloudFormation." Of course, there is. CloudFormation has a database; it's a hosted service. It's just that you're not exposed to having to manage that state, which is actually mm -hmm. really convenient because you look at the opposite, which is you know the default mode in Terraform. It gives you a state file. Now you have to manage the state file. Well, what do you do with it? And if you get that wrong, you know you might hose your in infrastructure. Uh, if you're in a team setting, now you have to figure out how to share it and lock it. <laughs> it's quite generous. You will. <laughs> sure. right. so, so with Pulumi, we said, hey, the default mode, we want to make it that just really simple, easy to do the right thing, easy to share it in your team. But if you want to take your state and go, because you don't want to depend on a service to do your deployments, or you really want to do some custom you know, thing where you're storing it in your S3 you know, bucket or something, we give you that option, but you, you have to sort of opt out of the default mode. Just, and it's really more around that user experience and just making it easy to do the right thing. And also with features like secrets management that we offer as well, you know, we have uh, an encrypt, encryption service so that you can easily do uh, secrets management. And that is integrated with how we store state. And that's another area where we see people mm. all the time checking in state files that have secrets unencrypted and I, we want to avoid well, those pitfalls too. That's absolutely critical, right? You can't do infrastructure without some type of secrets and credentials and tokens. I mean, it's just, it, it's impossible to do it. And I guess you're right. I could stu stuff those things in a you know, config file or environment variable as a way to solve them, but that doesn't really make it a shareable thing. Um, and then does the service, having, having a service that maintains state allow you to sort of decompose your infrastructure's code into, into more incremental units? Because right, I've seen like people build infrastructure as code that uh, you know I think of as a Domino's chain, um, but that doesn't strike me as very um, complete or it's not as maintainable. How do you how do you make it so that you're looking at a system's view uh, as you build up this this model? Yeah, that's actually a very important uh, point. Um, you know, most most customers we we work with they kind of go through this evolution. They start with a monolithic project, right? Maybe they define their IM roles, their VPC, their EKS cluster, all the ancillary services around those things in one project. Um, and we, we have the concept of projects and stacks. A project is basically a program that defines your infrastructure's code a program. Uh, and then a stack is an instance of that. So you can have any number of stacks. You can have, you know, lots of development stacks and test stacks. You, get, you can have ephemeral stacks just for testing purposes. Then you can have production, production East Coast, West Coast, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of the unit of granularity. Um, but people start monolithic, but most people end up breaking things into bits and pieces. Like maybe your IM is in a different project than your VPC, which is a different project than your EKS cluster, for example. And so we allow you to define those boundaries and then you can actually depend on between them. So sort of this domino chain, if you will, where you know, your EKS cluster can say, oh, take the VPC ID that was provisioned by that project over there. Um, and that's, that's really how people compose most production systems. We also allow you to do cool things like, hey, let's say your VPC is in Terraform today. Uh, you don't wanna touch that. Uh, well, you can define your EKS cluster in Pulumi and say, hey, take you know, that VPC ID from that Terraform workspace or that Azure Resource Manager st uh, stack or that CloudFormation stack. So we give you wow, tools to really decompose. So that's usually important. So I could actually take, would Pulumi actually execute a Terraform plan for me and then 
you know, pull the output back and then store it as state? Is that part of what you're able to do, like leverage their plans? We don't actually execute the, the plan. We, we take the output of an existing workspace that is managed mm. sort of outside of the purview of Pulumi. We do allow you to actually do the provisioning for the other tools I mentioned. So you can actually do the provisioning for CloudFormation stacks or ARM templates or Helm charts or Kubernetes YAML. Um, Terraform, we don't do that full management. There's one thing I did want to mention also when Please. Even though we have a hosted service, the service actually isn't doing the execution of anything. So the service is never actually contacting your cloud on your behalf. Um, so it doesn't need to know your credentials. And so for people thinking about depending on a hosted service, even though the chef, you know, puppet server analogy is, is a good one, really the service is not doing the execution, which is unlike those other tools. Uh, the client is always doing that. So it's just something to keep in mind. When, when you say it, so the client, like the... The, the operator's client or so the service isn't reaching into the environment on your behalf. It's still coming back from a client. So I initiate an action and then the client runs until the action completes. The service is just state. That's correct. And okay. for people that don't want to do deployments on, you know, developer desktop or something, um, we have CICD integrations. And so you can integrate with a system like, you know, Spinnaker or Jenkins or, um, or CI, or and that's the thing that does the hosted execution. So we find most people already have schemes for distributing, you know, IAM credentials and IAM keys to, to machines. And we don't want to have to interfere with that. We definitely don't want to have like a trust boundary where you have to share those with us. Uh, you can keep using whatever scheme you've, you've got in place. That's interesting. Okay. So, one of the things we haven't talked through, I'm, I'm, I, I want to dig into, op, into open source. I don't feel like we've fully talked through infrastructure as code yet because you, you named to me. So I, I did some work that sort of described uh, Maslow's hierarchy for infrastructure as code. Um, and CI, CICD was actually the top of that chain, this continuous integration. So what you're describing is really you're saying, look, if you have a CI infrastructure, which is critical to a code development, it's going to be critical to an infrastructure's code process. You're saying Pulumi actually just plugs into that process to let you manage the infrastructure. That's right. We, we basically want to be the D in your CICD pipeline, but we're not, mm -hmm. we're not interested in being our own CI system. Uh, and so that it's actually really, we have, you know, plugins that help you integrate with all the systems I mentioned. There's over a dozen of them. Uh, and so whatever you're using today, almost certainly we'll be able to just plug in. So, so a plugin is, is like an API shim that maps, you know, uh, Amazon's API back into the Pulumi language constructs? Yeah, it's, it's just a little bit of glue that helps to run the right Pulumi actions at the right times. And mm. it, it's different for different systems like, you know, GitHub. We've got, you know, GitHub actions and we've got a GitHub app. So if you want to get your plans sort of in your pull request. So if you want, if you really want to do sort of Git based deployments, you can actually set it up. So when you open a pull request, Pulumi will run the plan and then paste it back into your pull request. So you can actually see in the team and have a conversation around, Oh, you know, it looks like it's replacing the ECS task that might lead to downtime. Was that what we really intended to do? So you can catch mistakes before you actually merge them. But oh, it's different for each provider. You know, we try to do it idiomatically for each one. Like I, we have a GitHub, or sorry, GitLab pipeline, for example, 
um, that effectively accomplishes the same thing, but in a GitLab-centric way. That's nice. So you're not forcing other people to conform to your schema from that perspective. It's you're you're able to bring it in, and, and which is very code-like. So you're you're using the it's, it becomes native. When I when I looked at Pulumi, it it felt very much like programming. So it it because I I know you all support multiple languages, right? I get to pick my language and then add in a Pulumi um, library. Is, can you explain how that works a little bit? Yeah. So we we do support you know a lot of different languages. Um, each one is idiomatic in its own way. So the Pulumi engine is open source. It's written in Go. It's, and it's a multi-language runtime. So it knows how to host each of these different language providers. Um, and that's extensible, actually. So we have community members working on different languages. Um, and in fact, our .NET support started as a community project, and we helped push it over the edge. Um, but so it's fully extensible. And what happens is every language, the Pulumi core object model is projected in an idiomatic way. And then each provider, so AWS, Azure, GCP, Kubernetes, we've got, you know, over three dozen. Each provider is written in a language agnostic way, so it can get projected into each of these languages. So every language supports the full surface area of all these cloud providers. Um, and then the Pulumi is doing is the Pulumi engine is sort of orchestrating those languages. And, and so you write your code in that language, just consuming libraries like you normally would, like pip packages in Python and npm mm. packages in, in Node. And the Pulumi runtime sort of orchestrates with that, that uh, it orchestrates the deployment by working with that language runtime. I, I, just on the surface, it sounds awesome because I get to use my language as a developer or an, you know, an operator writing infrastructure as code. But as a company supporting that, doesn't, doesn't that sort of like you're scratching your head, like, did you write a bug in Python that impacted this? How do you sort of split the Pulumi operations piece from, you know, I'm making mistakes in my infrastructure as code? code? Yeah, so um, it's a good question. I mean, the, the background on the team is kind of interesting. It's basically, you know, a lot of X compiler and runtime people um, okay. working with a, a lot of cloud experts and sort of it's like the intersection of the two. So when I joined Microsoft, I actually joined a team called the Common Language Runtime Team, mm -hmm. which is the engine that uh, is supports.net. And that was a multi-language uh, runtime also, right? It's got C-sharp, F-sharp, VB. So oh, that's true. Okay. There's, there's a lot of tricks, you know, when you're supporting multiple languages. I think the key is you, you want to make the language runtimes as thin as possible and push as much down into that common core. So we rely a lot on you know, code generators where possible. And really the magic of Pulumi is at the heart of the system is this language and cloud agnostic object model that ultimately everything maps down to. So everything the engine does is in terms of those. So really what the language runtimes are all about is just really projecting that object model in the most idiomatic way. So in Python, you feel like you're in Python. You know, you've got snake casing instead of you know, camel casing. Um, wow, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that is very helpful that you're not dealing with a cognitive uh, break on that. From that right. Because we kind of have that uh, matrixed with all of the cloud providers we support. And so we also use code generation for a lot of those as well. So like the Kubernetes providers actually code generated off the open API spec in Kubernetes itself. Um, so okay. we don't have to try to stay up to date manually with every new feature they ship. That's a very nice 
capability of it. And I know Go has some really nice um, projection capabilities from that perspective. You, you mentioned open source, and you said before that it's important. How does, how does open source shape what Pulumi does? Yeah, so I knew Pulumi had to be open source from day one. So we planned for that. Um, it was really important. I think, I, especially my journey at Microsoft, I was actually responsible for open source strategy at Microsoft, um, you know, starting around when Satya took over and that became a critical part of the company's mission. Um, you know, so I led the sort of .NET project, open source, uh, everything. And I, so I, I really fundamentally believed it had to be open source. Uh, and so that was really important to us. The, building a community was really important to us. And so that, that's, you know, we've led with that in everything we do. It turns out, you know, we have a business to operate, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not shy about it. And we are very, you know, clear about where that boundary lies. And for us, it was kind of a natural boundary, right? It was the whole programming model, the whole SDK, all the tools, all the libraries that will be open source. And then we'll have the, you know, the, the hosted service, the SaaS product will, will have a commercial flavor to it. Um, we also offer it, you know, free for unlimited individual use. Um, so until, until yesterday when uh, GitHub made uh, team edition free for everyone, that was an analogy I used to draw, which is, you know, hey, it's free for unlimited use. And then if you want to use it in your team, you can either pay us to use the SaaS or you can use the offline version. Right. Okay. Okay, and so the offline version is also a commercial a commercial product from that perspective. Oh, for what you've done in the SaaS, you can then also host that as a commercial product. So the backend state platforms are commercial from that perspective. It's true, although we do, you know, keeping with the previous analogy of the, you know, the using the server side versus the client side, if you want to just do client side state management and, and manage it yourself and store your state in S3 or Azure Blob Store, Google, you know, storage, you can do that as well. If you don't want the SaaS, you can just do completely offline uh, and we support that model as well. That makes sense. It's, it's always interesting to me because I, you know, I, I believe very strongly that open source without a sustaining model is you know, basically a pet project. Um, <laughs> either you're moving it into a foundation or you've, you know, you've got some commercial backing and people should understand that the, you know, if you're depending on your software to operate your data center, you better, under, you better have a feeling for how that software is gonna be sustained in market or bad things will happen. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've got hundreds of paying customers, including, you know, big names like Mercedes-Benz and a lot of, you know, startups. And uh, so we're, we're healthy as a business. And I agree, it's, it's really important that we can continue providing the service and maintaining the project and making sure it's great, you know, indefinitely. It, it, it sounds like the way that you've structured it allows individuals to sort of, you know, get experience and, and, and get a flavor for how Pulumi works. And then as they graduate into a production use, there's this natural step into a commercial support model. Yeah, that's right. And we find that, you know, a lot of folks really appreciate that support. And um, we have a community Slack as well, where we provide, you know, support even for folks that are using the free edition. Mm -hmm. um, and, we, you know, we have some additional features in the commercial tiers, like, you know, we do offer a policy as code, for example. Um, a lot of that's open source, but we have, you know, enterprise-wide enforcement. Uh, and, you know, if you want SAML SSO integration, you know, we've got, we've got some premium features that are in the SaaS. Um, but for the most part, you know, the, the whole programming model, everything is out there for anyone to use. And, and so one of the things that's interesting to me when you're talking about an ecosystem like this is curating that ecosystem. 
because you know if somebody's writing you know you said the net was community developed that means that somewhere along the lines you're going to flip from hey this is cool community you know experimental sandbox stuff to you know Pulumi is supporting it for you and it better work because you've got a paying customer on it how do you sort of thread that needle on on curating you effectively community and ecosystem uh, open source code? Yeah, so we, we definitely love the community contributions. We see a lot of great projects um, emerging and we help people, we encourage people to open source what they've done. I think that's, that's one of the great things about, you know, the approach that we've taken of everything's just code. I mean, you can, you can really just take something, throw it up on NPM and share it with the world and it's really easy to use. But as you say, for commercial, you know, uh, relationships, we definitely have a clear boundary between, you know, what's an officially supported Pulumi plugin or project. Really, the easy way to tell is if it's in the Pulumi GitHub organization, um, then it's supported, fully supported. So all of, you know, the three dozen or so providers that we have are supported, the core platform supported. Um, to be honest, we, we really our goal is to make sure people are successful. And so if you're having trouble with a community package that you found, we, we, we help. Um, so we go out of our way to try to help everybody, no matter what they're trying to do. That's usually a good philosophy. Um, and it's, it's hard. That's, you know, and I know we, you know, getting, getting people to contribute in the community takes a lot of handholding and then doing it in a sustainable way so that, you know, the contributions are valuable and, and long-lived or is also hard. I have one, one sort of last question on this, you know, because, you know, we've been talking infrastructure as code, we talked Terraform a little bit. I, I do want to sort of give you a chance to say, um, you know, what, because a lot of people have, have learned infrastructure as code through Terraform and, and are used to sort of that Terraform, just like in earlier days, the configuration management was through Chef and Puppet. Um, what is, what do you sort of create as a bridge or how do you explain Pulumi to a Terraform user? Yeah, I think Terraform is a super important contribution to the space. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think very highly of Terraform. We, we have a bridge so you can use any Terraform provider. I think, you know, I think that in that community is, is great. I've, I've spent a lot of time connecting with folks in that community. I think in terms of the, the technology, I think, you know, Pulumi really is the best of two worlds. One is the declarative goal state oriented infrastructure as code model that if you know Terraform, you're familiar with. You can do plans, you get diffs, you get full history of all changes. Um, so that we've retained that core. But the thing that we've done is we've, we've married that with programming languages and the tools and ecosystems around those languages so that you can use Python, let's say, to declare your goal state, and but you're still getting those all those those you know pieces that are essential with infrastructure as code. It's just now you can use a for loop in Python. You can say you know for every availability <laughs> in the region. Oh, for a for loop. Yeah, that's that's true. That's a big. Those are big deals. It is. It is a huge deal. But then you can go further. You can say, hey, you know, I keep repeating myself over and over again. I'm going to put this thing in a function or a class, and then make it a little easier to use and a little bit less. You know, right. so we we often see that if something took you know two thousand lines in Terraform, maybe it takes two hundred in Pulumi. Like we t we tend to see usually a pretty significant reduction in 
in code and a lot more reusability as well. So you're I, not I copying pasting just for try catches and effective conditional checks in those loops, right? Not just to have a tool that blindly runs off and makes a mistake a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's simple things. You know, it's almost death by a thousand paper cuts in a sense. Like, I, I, we've helped port a lot of Terraform code over to Pulumi, and like, how many times have you run into something weird about US East one in AWS, and it's just got a you know, maybe it's got a slightly different DNS prefix or something. And then like doing that sort of conditional is just, it sounds simple, but in practice, it's just really, really complicated unless you have, you know, a programming language. So Joe, this is uh, where I come in and Rob usually gets mad at me. I had so many more questions. But of course, that's, uh, that's the uh, standard. But before we go, I, ha I have a question because looking at your open source stuff, I did notice on your Pumi website of the brand there is this creature, Joe, and I, I, I don't think it's a purple pig with a gray nose and an egg flying. <laughs> I am unsure what I am looking at it, and it looks very old school, like it's a dot matrix printed uh, logo thing for your, I guess it's the mascot. Can you help me understand? Yes, actually, I'm really glad you asked that because by the time this airs, we will have completely launched our new revised mascot, keeping with, with the, the theme. So that's the, we call uh, them the Palumipus. It's a platypus. <laughs> so platypus is fascinating, if you don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a mammal. It lays eggs. It swims. It's got flippers. It, 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 uh, yeah, lot, lot, it's venomous as well, which I just found I out. I did not day. know that. Yeah, that, that's slightly um that's disturbing but <laughs> so so that is what you're looking at which admittedly looks a little amateurish right now um is the platypus on a cloud um we're actually working with the guy right now simon oxley who designed the github octocat and also did the twitter bird oh, okay. um, and so by the time this this airs we will have yeah. launched a complete overhaul of that mascot thanks but to you simon. i like uh, joe i have to tell you i like the mascot being a little dot matrixy like that there's something have, old school about it. We have a guy on the team, uh, Pat. He's he's really into like old computers and and uh, rebuilds Ataris and and uh, is really into eight bit graphics. And so he's created a long list of these things. We have mugs. It's been awesome. So we'll we'll now, keep doing that along with the the new artwork as well. See, Rob, I always find the important stuff at the for for when I come in at the end. Questions you never thought about. <laughs> it's what happens when you go through the website open for some some interpretation but i i do like it i think that's great well joe thank you again for joining us uh anyway for um usually ask what events people are coming to but obviously that's not happening uh for listeners if they want to learn more uh go to your website uh p-u-l-u-m-i.com uh any other ways to get in touch with yourself or the company yeah, I would say, you know, Pulumi.com is one-stop shopping. You'll find links to the open source to download. I would say our community Slack is a great place to, to be. The whole team hangs out there. Uh, it's just slack.pulumi.com. Uh, if you ever have questions or just want to see what the community's up to, everybody's welcome. Um, we have a lot of upcoming webinars and events. And so Pulumi TV on YouTube, um, we have all the videos up there. Lots of great stuff. And we're actually working really hard now to launch a bunch of new material. So check that out um, if you want to see a few videos and on how to get up and running. 
Well, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Joe and Rob. Another great podcast for us with a, a new guest. And, uh, and Joe, we look forward to maybe in six months or so, come back if you guys have something interesting to add and new and have you on again to talk about it. And for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast today. Thanks to both of you. Thanks, Thanks again. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Rob.